0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Ah, uh, yesterday was Let's Talk About a Tuesday Church Folk Day. And we had a My Two cents segment, the finale of Love and Death, the HBO miniseries. Ooh, wait. What's the name? Of the episode, oh my goodness! Well, is not what we got. Wow, wow! Well, this true story, and I, I got to keep saying that because I, I got to tell you, as you were watching, you know, at least me, as I was watching this, I had to constantly remind myself that this was not fictitious. This is actually real, and uh, our girl Candy Montgomery was on trial when we look at this episode. Yeah, this is this is the uh, part of the trial With Candy's testimony was up, and as you know, we open up the episode, we remember that. You know, when she was called to the stand, she was drugged up. Yeah. They had given her, they had given her like 10 minutes to get her drugged up self-ready. You know, she had been taking this drug to keep her calm and depressed and, you know, focused on everything that was going on in the trial. But she was like a zombie, no emotion or anything like that. And this was, you know, this particular episode answered a lot of questions for us. Yeah, as Candy told the story of, you know, what happened, she relived what happened in the house with Betty and how she ended up killing Betty. How, you know, we asked the questions, you know, why didn't she run? You know, you see somebody coming up with an axe. Why you don't get up out of there? Because I know I would have. And, um, you know, the problem is, you know, we don't always see what goes on on the other side. You know, we, we can always speak for what we would have done, what we should have done, so forth and so on. Well, you know, Candy testified to the fact that she never believed that there was any danger For the longest time. So when um, Betty pulled out the axe. She didn't think there was. You know any danger. When Betty. Even swung the axe. She still really didn't think. That there was. You know that she was really trying to. Kill her. That she was going to hurt her. And you know she tried to get out. A couple of times. But. Betty kept closing that door. And, you know, you think about it, the results really didn't, you know, end up where Betty thought that it would. You know, Betty thought being the bigger person, you know, she was going to have the upper hand probably. But it didn't work like that. It it, it really ended up where, you know, Candy, you know, won the fight, if you will. But, you know, it, it was a very hard watch, at least for me because it showed you also that rage that was finally unleashed um in Candy, you know, um, the psychiatrist he testified as to, you know, the the real state of mind that Candy was in and how, you know, this was this uh, there was this back um what do you call it? this um this memory of her of, of trauma that happened when she was four and in the hospital with her mother and how, uh, you know, she was being teased and you know, and she responded but it kinda backfired on her in a sense and, you know, how she's kind of been living with this kind of suppressed. And it was really a gruesome um, watch to actually. They really showed how this act was swung and how it actually hit Betty. And this this was just some kind of episode. Well, Candy was found not guilty, and you know, eight days later she and. Her husband Pat and their family moved away, and you know, afterwards, you know, whenever it's a, a real true story, they always give you some, you know, facts, you know, that you don't see. You know, you're like, well, What happened to them afterwards, and you know, so forth and so on. And there were some bombs that were dropped, such as, you know. Betty, when she um, Last saw her husband Right before he you know, Left for his trip, she told him that she was Pregnant um, She, while she Was fighting Candy She told her that You know, she was pregnant and never having Another baby, and Come to find out She was never pregnant again So, you know You never know you never know what was going on in her head. You never know what was going on in her body that made her think, you know, that she could have been pregnant, so forth and so on. Um, so all this time, Alan is thinking that, you know, Candy, his ex lover, killed his wife and unborn child, but there was no unborn child. Oh, what else? Oh, um, Alan. Right after uh, got married to the pianist at the church, they ended up getting a divorce and ended up getting remarried. And what happened to the children? Well, Betty's parents ended up adopting the children. Yeah. What else? Well, you had the—I mean, this this powerhouse attorney. Was never really an attorney for criminal court. Yeah, he wasn't a criminal attorney, but he did a fantastic job with Candy's case. He ended up running for, I believe, mayor in nineteen, I, mean, uh, I think eighty six or seventy six or something like that. It was like 76. 86, 86, 84, 84, 84, 1984 And he ended up dying by a self inflicted gun um, wound. So I tell you, you know, you come out on top like that, but yet something ends up, you know, causing you to take your life. So it is just some bombs that were dropped, you know, when you want to know what happened or a couple other things. You know, they gave us you know a little heads up into, and um, really, it was it was an, it was a really good, well written story. You know, um, screenplay, however you want to put it. You know, again, when you're patterning uh, your story after someone who is then. You know, it, it, it's challenging because you got to stay true to the fact as close as you can. You know, there are people who you can't ask questions because everybody's not going to always be available. And, you know, I, I can, as a writer, I can only imagine some of the challenges that were met. But I have to tell you, it was a phenomenal, phenomenal depiction, really, really good depiction, so kudos, now from what I understand, there is a story on Hulu, that was the HBO Max version of Candy Montgomery's story, well there is a Hulu version, and it's funny because I remember seeing this Candy on, um, Hulu, and I was like, I'm not looking at that, never realizing that, you know, it could be about this, so I think I'll take a look at that, and, you know, we're not going to review that story, but, you know, take a a look, if you got Hulu, take a look, you know, maybe maybe you feel like you've seen enough of this candy story, but I think I will, in due time, take a look at the candy story on Hulu. And do me a favor. If you watch it, just let me know. Let me know what you think. I would love to know what you think of the story. All right? Well, it'll be some time, you know, when God says, well, we do have another one. We do have another true story. Um, But, you know, in, in a little bit of time, we'll, we'll review that in my two cents. <coughs> we will come back again. But... You know, I really enjoyed that, and thank you so much for walking through that journey. You know, taking that journey with us, really had a good time. Wow, today is Wow Wednesday. Yes, the day. Ooh, we call Wow over here. On is due time the past the step. You know we we'll we do on Wednesdays. The ladies rain on Wednesdays. So let me not wait any longer. we got our girl Vivian, I'm sure, who is chomping at the bit. I don't know what she's got for us today. But uh, we shall see. So go get that healthy breakfast. Go tell somebody that if you with Steph, it's due uh, time to the step. It's on And whatever you do whatever you do don't go anywhere because we will be right back because of you I found the resources I needed because of you I found the right doctor because
2: of you I'm not alone these are words we cherish at the sarcoma Alliance each year thousands of Americans of all ages are diagnosed with sarcoma the rare 1% of all cancers the sarcoma Alliance is there during their difficult journey, providing education, guidance, and connection. Learn more at sarcomaalliance.org. Sponsored by the Sarcoma Alliance.
1: Good morning and good morning again. Welcome back to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. And it is wow, Wednesday. Oh, God has so graciously ushered us into the middle of the week. We made it, y'all. We made it. And all be to the glory of God, giving him thanks that he has kept us away from all hurt, on and Danger. Wow. We're about to get our morning started. Hear what our girl Vivian has to say. So let's say good morning to Vivian. Good morning, Viv.
2: Good morning. Happy Wild Wednesday. How are you, Pastor Steph?
1: I am well. Thank you, Vivian. We are on a countdown. Oh my goodness, we've got how many more days? Sunday, I mean, Thursday, Friday, we got three days to eight hours of power at the Breaking the York Women's Conference here in New York, Jamaica, New York, to be more precise. What are you thinking about, Viv?
2: Are you prepared? Are you ready? Are you excited? What's going on? I am not prepared. <laughs> because I have been I have been an attendee of some of the things that God has done, and it has been amazing. And now I am a part of something that God is doing, and I am not prepared for what he is about to do, because I know it is going to be, like, better than anything we could ever imagine. And I'm not prepared for that, but I am desperate. I am definitely, like, ready to receive whatever he has, and I am so pumped.
1: Ah, well, I am so excited to hear that. You know, we haven't been talking about that much here on his due time, and um, now that we're so close to the moment um, that we've been waiting for, it's like four months in planning, And for me, that's a long time. That's a long time. I generally don't, um, you know, go out that far, you know. Um, Normally, like, three months, two months, you know, is my planning date. But, you know, as I've not been that well, I've had to put a little more distance, girl, between the time. But I tell you, you know, a wonderful set of – a a wonderful team I have – Um, along with me, and only because of the team. I can even think about getting this done. You know, God has really put something before us. So, Viv, you know, the more we, you know, the closer we get, the more, you know, uh, excited you become. And, you know, I thank you for being a part of it. You know, it's due time with Pastor Steph is, you know, the leading Here on, uh, you know, for this conference. (laughs) Excuse me. So, you know, unfortunately, I don't have all our ladies, but we do have uh, Pastor Kim, who is actually flying in from Michigan um, to be a part of, you know, the uh, conference. So we're excited about that. You know, uh, some of you who have not met. Pastor Kim will actually be able to, you know, share some space with her, person to person. Uh, our Pastor Charlotte will be a part of this conference. Um, Chati will be a part of the conference. Uh, we just lost our Elder Knight teacher as a participant, and she's transitioning oh, no. to Chicago. Yeah, broke my heart, broke my heart, girl. broke my heart. Um, but um, prayers prayers are, are definitely needed and I know we have a prayer love and support and um, we've got a lineup we've got some kind of lineup uh, for you know this particular event so you know get ready As, as uh, what is his name T.D. TG, Jake says get ready get ready get ready We are on our way. So thank you so much for just kind of giving me that chatter about our conference coming up. And um, let me not push you any further because they're probably saying, hey, Pastor Seth, we want Vivian socially conscious news. So what you got for us today, girl?
2: All righty. Today on socially conscious, we are starting off with some potentially bad news. Reports say that the number of United States children who received free summer lunches on an average day has been on a decrease since 2021. According to a report released by the Food Research and Action Center, they say on on an average day, last July, almost 3 million children received a free lunch through the federal summer nutrition program which was down 44.5 percent or 2.4 million children compared to july of 2021 summer breakfast also saw an even steeper decline of hundred of 1.8 million children last year which is down 62 percent from July of 2021. So the states that saw the best participation rates, according to the report, were New York, New Jersey, Vermont, New Mexico, and Maryland. But every single state in the country saw a decrease from July 2021 to last July. So that is potentially bad news for probably obvious reasons, because of course, If they don't see the need, they can stop this program. They're saying that one way to get more participation is to move eligibility so that it can include neighborhoods where poverty may be less concentrated so that children in rural and suburban areas can also have access to free lunches. And I say, do what needs to be done because for whatever reason, participation is low There are still millions of children who are participating who would really suffer if this program ended or even if it decreased and it was less accessible to these children that really needed it. And we've been talking a lot about how to help the homeless and how to feed the homeless. So there's an answer. If the kids aren't coming to get it, open it up to the homeless adult. So potentially bad news, but maybe, you know, if there's some smart people in the right positions, maybe it could be some good news as well. Our next stories is on the topic of phone use, inappropriate phone use and social media, starting with a father who is suing a hospital who he alleges took unnecessary and unapproved photos of his dying son and posted them to Instagram. Jose Fabin Lopez, father of 18-year-old Jose Jr., says his son was hit by a car while riding his motorcycle back in May of 2022. His son was airlifted to HCA Kendall Hospital in Miami, Florida. And he says while his son laid there fighting for his life at the hospital, the staff took photos of his catastrophic injuries and posted them to Instagram. According to the lawsuit, approximately 20 hospital employees watched while the photos were being taken, including nurses, technicians, and doctors, and nobody did anything. They do not say exactly what the photos were used for, but they made it a point to say that captions included several emojis. To make matters worse, the hospital tried to have the lawsuit dismissed, arguing that any breach of privacy affected only the son and not the father. So they admit to a breach of privacy, but says it shouldn't matter because the person whose privacy was breached is dead. That's gross. And I just think that it doesn't matter what age, race, or profession you're in. These days, people just do not know how to put their phones down. Which brings us to our next story of a 27-year-old school bus monitor who is being charged with manslaughter after a 6-year-old girl dies on the bus. Reports say Fajar Williams, a 6-year-old nonverbal girl with special needs, was found unresponsive in her wheelchair in the back of the bus last week. They say the girl was choked by the four-point harness that strapped her into her wheelchair. Authorities said a few bumps in the road caused Williams to slump in her wheelchair, causing the harness to block her airways. Ms. Davila, the bus monitor, didn't see it, because she was in the front of the bus, on her phone, with headphones in her ear. Officials said an onboard video shows 14 minutes went by and nobody on the bus noticed it. If convicted, Davila could face 5 to 10 years in prison, which would mean her 2-year-old son, who also has special needs, would be without his mom. What a mess. You would think that if you have a child with special needs that you would be more compassionate. But unfortunately, that was not the case. And now this young girl is gone. And this young lady is now facing five to ten years in prison for manslaughter. All because she couldn't put that phone down. And now we have our wild story of the week. I know it's a little early, but I think this one will make for a very good conversation, and that is the Florida um, new standard that has been passed and approved of how they will be teaching black history in public schools. So some of the things this new approved standard has outlined is the requirement to teach middle school students, quote, how slaves develop skills, which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit, end quote. They also want to put emphasis on teaching about acts of violence perpetrated by African Americans in addition to acts of violence against them when teaching about the growth and and destruction of Black communities during Reconstruction and beyond. So they want to make sure that if we're teaching about the violence against Black people, that we're also teaching about the violence that Black people did when it came to just the destruction of their communities. So many people are upset for obvious reasons. To say that black people benefit and gain skills from slavery is crazy. And to make that a requirement that you have to teach that in um, American African-American history is absolutely insane. So they're bringing up the fact that last year they passed the Stop Woke Act back in July. That law says discussions about race must be taught in another manner and should not be used to indoctrinate or persuade students to a particular point of view. It also states that students should not feel guilty for actions taken in the past by people of their same race or origin. But how is this not going against that exact law to teach kids that at the end of the day, Slaves benefited from being captured and forced into slavery, beaten, raped, taken, and separated from their families, et cetera, et cetera. Because, hey, they gained skills. How is that not objective? How is that objective? This is absolutely insane. But are we really surprised it's Florida? I mean, I'm not, but it is crazy. But this has been Vivian with Socially Conscious giving you the news that we are following. And remember, if you have any wild stories you would like to submit, please feel free to direct message me on Facebook. My username there is VivianBM and come back every Wednesday to find out if your story has been chosen Thank you, as always, to our loyal listeners, and thank you, Pastor Steph.
1: You, Vivian. Uh, You lost me. I was so busy listening. (laughs) I couldn't (laughs) type. My brain just got frozen with my fingers. Okay, so I need your help here, please. So you have this last story. There's a requirement to teach middle school students how acts of violence against... Um, black people, well, help me with that, please. I, I just I got okay, hold
2: on. Let me find it. Hold on. Okay. All right. So they are saying that this new approved standard has outlined it's the requirement to teach middle school students, quote, how slaves developed skills which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit, end quote. And they also want to emphasize teaching about acts of violence perpetrated by African Americans in addition to acts of violence against them when talking about the deconstruction of black communities.
1: Okay, Okay, I did write it. Okay, I did have it right. I thought I had it wrong. Okay, okay. Oof, thank you very much, Vivian. Please, as always, hang around just in case we need any clarity on uh, yes, any of these stories. Please. Thank you. Well, you have a blessed day. Thank you. You Oof. as well. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All righty. It's time to talk to our ladies. And, oh, let's say good morning to our Elder Natisha. Good morning, Elder Natisha.
2: Good morning. Good morning, Pastor Steph, and all the beautiful ladies and listeners.
1: Oh, good morning to you. It is like an hour behind. How do you think you're gonna to adjust to this hour behind when you're trying to keep up with New Yorkers? I know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yes, this, this is this is rough. It's, it's only six thirty. <laughs> yes, ma'am. You know, Pastor KL and Dwayne used to do it, and Pastor Ed used to do it, but they were accustomed to it. This is like new mm-hmm. stuff to you. Oh wow, yeah. my goodness gracious. Well, thank you, this, thank you for the prayer this morning for the conference. Amen. Um, so, so, miss you, but God spares There's always future plans and, and uh, events that God is going to, you know, um, you know, give us to actually, you know, bless God's people and you know, embrace our growth and you know, just so much more. I'm sure, God. This is just the beginning. Um, you know, yeah. So, thank you so much for your prayers, and um, we pray that all goes well with the transition. You know, I can only imagine what it must be like to just kind of pick up your whole life and you know start all over someplace. So, I know God will, you know, really bless you both. And um, Minister Greg, you two have been doing a lot of work in His kingdom. So here's the reward, and sometimes it ain't always on your, you know, normal soil. So, blessings to the both of you.
2: Thank you, I I do appreciate it. And um, welcome. And certainly will will miss being there, but I still I plan to support. I
1: still plan to support. You know, um, I really believe in what God has, you know, called you to do as far as this is concerned. And so I. All of our listeners, listen, I admonish you, if you have not yet purchased your ticket, get your ticket. And like me, if you are in another state, another country, but you believe in the work that we're doing through due time, we're literally just taking it in person and blessing women. So if you can't be there in person, send a donation, you know, buy a ticket for another young lady. Um, who wants to come and may not be able to afford it. So there are so many ways that uh, we can still support the work of God through uh, Pastor Seth. So certainly we'll miss you, but I absolutely will be supporting. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Thank you so much. We look forward to, um, again, you know, we so appreciate your uh, support in far. And we look forward to our continued relationships here on WOW Wednesday. You know, if yes. you are enjoying WOW Wednesday, you know, I think this is what the buildup is for everybody. If, mm-hmm. you know, you're enjoying WOW Wednesdays on Is Due Time, imagine 18 A- we are at 18. No, well, without 18? Without you, 17. 17. 17 powerhouse women and. of God who yeah. on one platform at one time, and thus the eight hours of power. Because I can't even imagine what it's going to be like um, if I if I enjoy Wild Wednesday so much and it's only what four of us, five of us with Pastor Charlotte, six of us with this, you know, it it's I can't even imagine. The the walls are gonna be shaking, the roof is coming off. So this year is <laughs> gonna be, you know, something. Yeah. I, I just keep thinking about that. You know, God did open up the floor to male attendees. He said, What I'm putting in that room I need everybody to, you know, bear witness to and be blessed by. So you've got, eight, you know, 17. Well, actually, Pastor um uh Elder I, Tisha, it's not just 17 women. You've got 17 speakers, but we've got praise dancers. We've got mm-hmm. uh, models, little, 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 young models. And I tell you, we've seen these – um, models, we've seen the, I've seen a snippet of our praise dancer Tamia, it is going to be woo! the representation uh-huh. of the female population is going to be out of this world so I'm really looking forward to it and um, again, for all of your support we are really going to have a grand time in the Lord Alright, so here we go with Vivian's socially conscious segment. Um, you know, we've been talking about free lunches forever. You know, I know that free lunches were available and breakfast was available when you were raising your girls. They were definitely, it was definitely, um, I remember being pregnant with Sean Keith and working at a camp. And we used to take the kids for free lunch and free breakfast. So this is how long. You know, this has actually, and it was longer than that, you know, it was before then. So to think that, you know, children are not actually um, participating at the rate that they used to, what do you think some of the reasons could be that there's not that much participation? You know, I, that's, that's a good question. I really, I don't understand. I know that, you know, um, economically, many families, you know, have been suffering. Um, so I really don't know. I think it's, you know, the, it may be part of the idea that school food, you know, wasn't good. Or nowadays people are so prideful with needing help that they yeah. would stop. Instead of actually going um, and getting the help that that they need, and so you know, I remember um, it wasn't it wasn't embarrassing. Like we we all got together. We was calling each other out the window, like, "Hey, you going over to school lunch?" You know, it was <laughs> we all went together went, went together yeah to go yeah. go get to go get school lunch. But I yeah. think these kids and 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 what society has done to kind of create the sense of pride and entitlement in our youth and young adults to where they're not taking advantage of these things anymore that are right there for them. Instead, they'll choose to go to the McDonald's and get a a $5 burger, knowing that that's their last $5, right, or that you could utilize it in a more efficient way. You could utilize your money in a more efficient way. But we've um we've done a poor job with this idea of being impoverished but trying to look or act as though we're
2: not, you know.
1: Right, right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I tell you, you know, you never <clears throat> excuse me, you never know, um what's going on in these kids' brains or the parents for that matter. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank they- you. Uh, let's see what our girl Tamika says. Let's see if she agrees with you or she's got some other thought. Good morning, Lady Tamika. Good morning. Happy Wednesday. Hoping that everyone, you, our ladies, our listeners, is doing well today. How are you? I am well, thank you. How are you? I am well as well. That's good. That's good. That's good. Alrighty, you know, this free lunch, free breakfast has been around for a few decades at least, and now we're hearing that there's a decline in, you know, the uh, actual uh, function and what they're doing um, and how they're benefiting, um, you know, how how we are allowing it to benefit us, let me put it like that. What do you think a reading could possibly be? You know, I kind of <laughs> I I can chime in with Elder Natesha in that people can be so prideful. You know, um, I, I I think back to you know days when I had friends of mine that you know had food stamps and everybody's going to the store and getting what they want, but you know, you got those, those couple that straggle around and it's like, okay, I don't want nobody to see me, you know, paying for my food, the food stamps, cause you know, they're going to, you know, they're going to say something, you know, and my thing is if you're hungry and it's there and it's free, why not get it, you know, but it's easier to be, to avoid going to the school, you know, to, um, to keep yourself from, you know, uh, being Josh, you know, and, and, and at this point. You know peer pressure and, and conversations when, when youth talk about youth, you know it, it can be very you know stifling for them so as opposed to you going out and getting your stomach full you would rather just kind of suffer the other thing that I'm thinking that could be contributive to it is the change of food you know um, is not hot food like we remember things that we got in school is different, you know, now um, there are a lot of more sandwiches you know, you don't want salami you don't want ham, you don't want bologna, you know, and you're not getting forgetting meatballs, you're not getting you know, fried fish and those type of things so I do believe that some of it is the transitioning of food everything is packaged now, so considering that it's all in plastic you know, there's nothing more you know, and I, I worked around the corner from a school and, you know, we were you know, standing outside and they was like, they were giving us two and three packages at a time. Nobody's eating it. No, you know, they would literally say that. And I'm like, oh, you know, so I kind of knew that before we even got this message. So, um, you know, that's disheartening because, you know, the program could be literally ended for those who really need and for those who are going out there, you know, so it's it's a sad state, you know, if if they can't find a, a, a productive source for their money, Then they're going to end the program, and that hurts those that are that have been, you know, faithfully going out and getting what they need. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, yeah, giving it out. We just got finished talking about that a couple of uh, weeks ago, where they were trashing it, opposed to giving it out. So it's good to know that at least somebody on the sneak tip (laughs) was giving it out. you know, that way it doesn't go in the garbage. So thank you so much for joining us this morning. Let's see what our girl Shanti has got to say about this uh, decline in school lunch and breakfast usage. What you got, Shanti? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, I I, I believe it has. I'm fine thinking. I believe that has everything to do with price, um, in addition to the quality of the food. Like I know a lot of times my niece will not eat the school lunch. Um, she doesn't really complain too much about the breakfast, but definitely about the school lunch, um, the quality of it. It doesn't taste as good or it doesn't seem like it's thoroughly cooked, so that will prevent her some days from eating. She'll still go out there to get it. But if it doesn't meet her standards, she ain't eating it. But I think I believe it has to do with, with pride. And I even know adults who are hungry, you know, and when they're offered food from anywhere, you know, it's like, oh, no, no, thank you, I'm good. And I'm like, bro, I hear your stomach. You're not good. So it's really sad that, you know, they will, um, and a lot of times the kids are like that because they're being taught that. You know, they're being taught, oh, someone also you don't take because of how it looks and so on and so forth. So like Lady Tamika said, my mind went there also. So God it now because you only have 10 kids growing up to get summer lunch, now they end and now those 10 kids who whose families are not too proud to say we can use this meal now they miss out because not enough people are, you know, coming to get the food. It's sad. But, yeah, I believe that has everything to do with pride. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. I do agree um, with that. I also believe that there's a lazy component as well, especially with breakfast. You know, these, You know, years ago we would make our kids go to bed. At a certain time now, children are up all hours of the night, so breakfast is, you know, out of the question. They're not getting up and walking to a school or whatever the situation is because they, they're they turning over at that time. So that's one of the reasons why, you know, there's a decline as well, you know, needless to say, you know, you, you're snubbing, you know, um, it's not good enough. And pride, you know, I do agree with you ladies. Pride has a lot to do with this, and unfortunately, we don't realize that we're a unit. You know, we don't realize that we don't stand alone in life. So when you, you know, don't participate, it does affect other people. So hopefully, you know, there'll be, you know, some type of strategy shifted so that more people, you know, the expansion um, might benefit is because you never know how many people who look like, they may not take it, just might take it. So maybe the expansion of location where they offer it to will definitely help the, the, uh, the program out and those who, you know, need it won't suffer. Before we go to our next round, Shanti, you know, you're a part of the upcoming Breaking the Yoke Women's Conference. You know, we're down to three days left. We got Thursday, Friday and Saturday. We'll be here before we know it, God's best. You know, what's your thought? What are you thinking? I am, as I woke up this morning, actually, and the thought that came to mind, I was like, oh my God. And yes, I said, oh my God. Okay. The day is almost here. All right. And there's a, it, I felt really anxious, but excitement more than like a worried type of anxiousness. Um, what God is has been pressing me to actually do before I realized what it was He's given me to to speak on and present. You know, it's it's been a lot. <laughs> it's been a lot, but I really. I look at it as a, one of the switch tips he gave us, a level up to him, a level up to God moment. So I'm really, really, really excited to, and i I really so honored to be in the room with a bunch of clergy, female clergy, you know, women who have been pastors and ministers for years, who have been walking in their ministries for years. And I get to be a speaker and a presenter along with them and i'm really excited to share what god has given them to offer all of us and i'm like really excited i'm excited to see everyone in there all white because i got my dress and it fits perfectly so i'm i'm excited to step <laughs> out i love Justin. i love Justin enough but yes i'm really excited to to see everything i'm excited to see you pass the stuff to see you know how you feel about how everything just comes together and you know all of the the women who God has um put in your heart to reach out to I'm I'm really excited to see that as well amen 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 you know hearing hearing you speak you know as as I was listening hearing you speak was a little different because you know it, it was just recently <laughs> that I realized that you really grew up with me, you know, having you young um, at 18. I'm like almost 58, God spares my life. So that means the last 40 years of my life, you have been with me and you watched. This is a norm for me, you know, to, to host events. But this is different. This is different, as you yeah. have so, you know, noted. And, for, you know, to hear you speak about it is is a little different than hearing others speak about it because you've watched how God has, you know, increased and how this whole thing has evolved and you've watched me transition and, you know, only you yes. can see certain things over the years. So, you know, I, I'm honored. You know, where other mothers are partying with their daughters, <laughs> yes. I'm honored yes. to have you you know, side by side with me and these powerful women and to know that, you know, you can actually stand you know, stand beside them. God is amazing that he's actually, you know, with all your stories, good Lord, um, that you can actually you know, he's you know he's actually groomed you, um, to be able to you know, minister. Even here on on Wild Wednesdays, you know, you 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 know, you sit with the ladies. You bring your own flavor and your own, you know, thought to you know these powerful women that we have: Elder Narticia, our Lady Tamika, our you know our Pastor Kim, our Minister Michelle, our Lady Nicole, our Pastor Charlotte. You know, you're actually able to you know hang with them. I remember your grandmother used to always tease you about it or oh, you think you yeah. big time now you know but you yeah. know it's, it's amazing and God is, is amazing God that you could actually have us kind of grow together in this so I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm actually honored to be able to roster you with you know our, our other powerful women of God so thank you for you know jumping on board and you know sharing this experience with me thank you so much thank you Oh, now we are off to our next round. Now this is just annoying. <laughs> when we when when Vivian started talking, I actually started typing and realized I was typing the wrong thing or typing too soon. Thought it was the father who was guilty of taking these pictures, but you know, can you imagine your your family member, your loved ones, your child? you know, young or old, actually hurt, and the staff actually watching one another or participating in taking pictures and video of your loved ones um, down, dying, or whatever the this particular situation is, and then when you are actually challenged as to what you did, you would actually try to dismiss it by saying that the breach of privacy was to the ill individual, to the person you were actually videotaping and photographing, not to the family. Not to this parent. You know, I can't even imagine that lack of sensitivity, and I think the numbers should be even increased just because they gave, they gave that stupid answer. But, you know, Lady Tamika, when you actually hear this situation and how they responded, not with an apology, but with, you know, something else, what goes through your head? Um, You just by saying something like that, you have really added insult to injury, you know, Um, and um, I I think about it this way. You know, I work for the health department indirectly um, and there are a lot of things with HIPAA that you can and cannot do, you know, and you can't. One of the things that you cannot do is, you know, videotape or have any type of photo document of you know, a, a lot of things. And so, you know, without some type of written clause, you know, um, you shouldn't be able to, you, that, there's no shouldn't, you can't do that, you know. And then, like, after all of that, after you took the pictures, you know, and you said, well, the agreement was supposed to be with the, the child. How dare you? You know, I think that's completely disrespectful, you know, and, and, and the fact that, you know, anytime I go on this site now, you know, I can be reminded of the loss. You know, how dare you? You know, I just think that that's really, really more than more than crossing the line. And you know, you wouldn't get past it. I, I you wouldn't live another day without me. You know, annoying you or or t- you know, asking me to take the page down that, or whatever the case may be. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Shantee, you know, this is your family member. You know, there. And they have this carte blanche attitude to be able to photograph, video, and post, according to them. Now, I want to make sure I'm understanding. So, the staff was taking photos of an injured person for what purpose again? They posted it on Instagram. Oh yeah, everyone would have their own Instagram page. See, people, people <laughs> tend to like they really underestimate. See, and God just gave us never mind, God just gave us this shit. Don't be petty. All right, let me let me give that answer real quick. After prayer, <laughs> um, I would just be <laughs> quietly, <laughs> quietly stalking. Every time they went every time you they arrived that. to work I'd be sitting. You know. Every time every time they clocked in I'd be sitting there. Sitting right there. She ain't take that down yet. She do ain't take that down yet. It's like why do you even have time to do this? If you're there working, this is the help from my understanding and this is one of the reasons why I never wanted I've never been attracted to like work and health care. There's a lot. It's It entails a lot. You know, it takes a lot out of you because you're supposed to genuinely care about caring for whomever, regardless of gender, regardless of age, regardless of, you know, their medical reasons, why they're there. Why do you have time to even be on your Instagram for yourself, let alone for you to now take photos of someone and now post it, and when you're approached about it, you give any response outside of, I am so sorry, which is still bogus, but I am so sorry I'm taking that down. Like, why? Why do we have time for this? So, this is not fulfilled to you. So, you don't care about your job. You don't care about being fired. I, I don't I don't understand how you have time for that. Mm, me either. That's a thought that came to my head does he get the lack of care because you taking pictures Alern senior what are we doing in the hospital are we working or is this a time to exercise our photography desire <laughs> I mean it's just it's really unethical it's unethical and and I don't know what is being taught nowadays in uh, nursing school. That's one of the reasons why I left the nursing profession um, and and ended up going to the American Cancer Society after being an RN for 15 years because it it became more about protecting the hospital than it became about patient care. And I think over the past Mm. 10 years, we've watched that continue to deteriorate uh, unethical practices and behavior from nurses. I mean, I mean, even so when I went to nursing school, we
2: were taught that we were not allowed
1: to have uh, nails of a certain length. I walk into ERs, these, these nurses have nails that are so long. Um, we were taught that we were supposed to um, be professional in our attire and in our look uh, because being a nurse was one of the highest, you know, regards for service you know, um, in the community. And it is just, it's no longer that. It is just no longer that. There are so many unethical practices that I'm not shocked by this behavior. Um, And I do believe that the family should be suing and they should get every dime that they are suing for. And the hospital should be held accountable because if you are taking photos for marketing purposes, then, you, that you're supposed, supposed to be writings and compensation for the family and an agreement with the family. You don't just go take my family member's picture of them in their worst state and then post it on. And I don't know if this was on the hospital site or if this was simply on um, their personal um, Instagram pages. But regardless, what Instagram page it was is unethical, and you didn't have my agreement with it. Is there anything that I signed that gave you permission to utilize images of my uh, of, of my my loved one? No. Therefore, my child, regardless of how old he was, there was a breach. He was unable to provide for himself, so I have the right. Oh. And if there was, uh, if he is a health proxy. Um, if the father is that child's health proxy, then he absolutely has, to, has the right to stand and, and take them to court. So you can't dismiss it. That's just like I'm the health proxy for my
2: dad. So I make all of this, the decisions when he is unable to provide good decisions for himself. So if you take a picture of my father, you mean to tell me that you think you're not going to
1: act to me as his health proxy? So, yeah, that that um, I'm glad that the court's... Um, you know, did not uh side with the hospital as far as that concerned and, and my hope is that they get every nickel dime and dollar that they deserve. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, as you ladies were talking, something came through my mind. I remember when they implemented the the rule and the new law that says that um the staff cannot discuss something on an elevator. They cannot affect a patient even on an elevator because, why? Because somebody called Mm -hmm. out a name while they were talking, never realizing that a family member was actually on the elevator and overheard, you know, that and they went to administration, and they complained. It became a big thing. So now even on an elevator, you know, I remember going to uh, to see my mother, on the elevator wall, it had a sign that reminded them not to discuss patient, you know, um, hair or condition or anything while you're on the elevator. And my thing was, that if y'all can't talk about it, you think you gonna photograph it and post it? And and here's the thing, you know. Vivian thinks that you know. Hey, multiple people stood by and watched. Multiple people actually, you know, do this. So, you know, no one, you know, I guess if anyone said anything, it wasn't big enough for anyone to change their mind and and say, well, let me stop. But well, we don't know. But enough was, you know, wasn't said that they posted. So, I I agree. Every single solitary, and and then go get somebody else's money. Did that because he could not speak for himself. So now you're going to say so so that to me as as Lady Tamika said is adding insult to injury. Now that he can't talk, so what you said is well he can't talk, so we can do anything we want to do. See, I always say there's two ways to say everything. So while you said dad had no 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 fight in saying it because it wasn't him. So what you're saying is my son is down or any other patient is down, cannot speak for themselves. It's carte blanche. Do whatever you want to do. I don't think so. So, you know, grab everything, everything, everything. Make sure they don't even have a coat to wear. Yes, 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 Pastor the said it. Okay. Now, let's talk about, story. we just got finished talking about the bus driver. Now, here we are. We talked about where were the bus monitors? Remember that, ladies? Where were the bus monitors? There was no bus monitor. Who's held responsible? Because there's no bus monitor. Now?
2: Well, here we have the bus yep.
1: monitor. Lord have mercy. <laughs> I was like Vivian, just tell us why don't you? Here we have the bus monitor, who's actually on the bus, and you know, being charged with in Florida because of her negligence. There's a little girl in a chair choked by the harness, and she had no concept of what was going on. Why? Because she's on a phone with some headphones on. Oh, my goodness. Shantice, you got the first leg on this one. It's a where's the bus monitor? She wasn't on the bus. She was completely <laughs> useless. She was completely how the your purpose is to be the eyes and ears that the driver is not able to be the entire time he or she is driving the bus so how is it that you're not attentive and then these kids have special needs which means they need special attention they need extra attention just because they're fastened into a seat does not mean they may not need assistance or you may not have to pay attention to them for a specific reason. And then to compound the fact that you're not paying them any attention, you got headphones on. So you're on your Instagram or you're on YouTube watching <laughs> shorts. So you ain't, you ain't in the box. You do you, you mm-hmm. not, not you you um, take a class you on there doing something stupid that you don't have to do. And now this baby is getting choked to death and you know nothing about That ain't no different than you being on the bus. It's like when we watch like spook movies or the shows where the person be sitting right there and then a killer comes up and kills the person. And you watching the movie, you like, turn around, way behind you, way behind you. But they so busy doing something else, so that's exactly what happened. Poor bus driver. I can't even imagine mm-hmm. how the bus driver tells me. They just driving the bus, doing what they supposed to do, and here you're supposed to be the help, and this baby day, because you watching YouTube shorts, and you. So what happens yeah. to that Because this is, they, that she has a special needs child. So this is what goes on at home. Because there's no way you're going to tell me you're attentive to your special needs child at home, that you're now going to sit on a bus and be a thousand percent negligent. No. She, whatever they're charging her with, she needs to get to persecuted for her. That was dumb. Wow, wow, wow. Eldonite Tisha, did we not just get finished with this battle? Oh, where is the monitor? Where's the monitor, Eldonite Oh uh, Yeah, as soon as you're being started... Talking about the story, my mom was like, "Oh Lord!" And here we got a monitor, and that still, that still didn't do her job. Yes, Again, I, I, yes. It's it's so. I mean, it's so unfortunate. And I mean, if you focus in on the behavior and the negligence of people in our society today, it'll make you question humanity. Like you, ma'am, the reason why you're there is to help avoid um, accidents and incidents with the child who was in your care. That is your job. That is the sole purpose for why you are there. It is why you are receiving the 18, 14, $15 an hour. It is why you are there. How do you completely turn your back focus and attention to the reason why you're getting paid again? When when we take these these little um, these these little that are really not little, but we take these advantages of our work and and don't really put into it what we need to put into it, these type of things can happen. Besides that, this shows also the addiction that we have to our phones and to social media. Between this story and the last story, you know because. uh, Let's just call it what it is. That woman was either texting or she was scrolling on some social media, looking at other people's Mm -hmm. lives and other people's business and not taking care of intending to what she was responsible for. She absolutely ought to be held accountable. And the sad part is because you were not focused on what you were supposed to be doing because you're busy scrolling, now your own child is in jeopardy of not having their mother with them. Why weren't you thinking? Absolutely you so it's mm. negligent mm. on the on the child who lost their life, but it's also negligent to her own life and negligent to her own child's life. Sad. Mm-hmm. Woo, woo, woo. Lady Tamika. A quick flashback to our last conversation, huh? Pastor Steph, I'm so exhausted.
0: <laughs> I'm just- <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm, I I'm, I'm, so I'm,
1: I'm literally pooped. I'm tired. Like, you know, your responsibility literally was to watch, you know, doesn't matter why you did it because nobody at this point is wondering why you did it when a child dies. You know, maybe it might have been one of those times where, you know, you know, now that I think about it, this is something that you do on a regular basis. This is not something that you just decided to do that particular day, you know, and. People sometimes have a different attitude when it comes to somebody else's. You know, um, we're talking about someone who has a special needs child, so you know what type of things can happen. You have to stay watch. Your responsibility is to watch. And so you decided that putting on the music, you know, the headphones was more important, and now a life is gone. You know, and life lives are now being destroyed because of this one act, you know, and you can't belittle what you did because, you know, a life is gone, you know? Um, and so this, this is your full response. This is what you get paid to do is to ensure the safety of those that are on the bus, you know? And so my heart goes out to the family now, you know, I mean, what with something like that, how, what do you say to the parent? I'm sorry. That doesn't fix anything. It doesn't change anything. You know, this whole family now has to deal with the loss. You know, your child now has to deal with the loss of mommy and now your life is completely transitioned. Everything that you ever knew, changed that because now you're gonna to have to serve time. Absolutely. You know, I, I felt like I was in our teacher. As soon as Vivian starts, I said, You gotta be kidding me. Now, because if anybody remembers when I went when I uh my last words was, well, y'all are responsible for the bus monitor. Uh, the cameras are the second set eyes. I, I was all in. I was all in. And to hear this story come right behind that, I was in disbelief that even with the argument of, you know, get the bus driver some help, <laughs> this is what happens with the help. You know, one of the things that I thought about was not only do you not think about this is why you're there. These people also think about consequences. The people who were taking the pictures and videos of the of the injured person, you who are sitting on a bus with a busload kid and with the through your phone and you put on headphones, nobody thinks about consequences. Nobody ever thinks about just in case something jumps off, I need to be are ready, willing, and able, and I'm not ready, willing, and able because I have handicapped myself. Nobody cares about the consequences. Everybody throws caution to the wind. Let whatever happens, they just take things for granted. Oh, everything is okay. Well, clearly, everything cannot always be, will not always be okay. And hopefully, my prayer is, people begin to look at all of these things that have happened and understand that there are consequences to your negligence. Anytime there's negligence, there are consequences. And until we begin to learn that there are consequences, this stupid kind of stuff will be happening. I also say poor baby at home because not only – are you going to you? You gonna have to do some time on this one because them people not gonna let you. They not gonna let it rest with them just slapping you on the wrist. Oh no no no! You go if you go for fifteen minutes, you going somewhere. But the baby who you have now has to get acclimated to a whole different lifestyle. We don't know what that child's um, disability is, and it doesn't matter. But when you have a normal child. Just re, you know, uh, 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 getting yourself readjusted to a whole new lifestyle is traumatizing. Now you have your baby who is now going to be traumatized because their whole world is going to be flipped up all all over the place. So you know what? A hard lesson to learn for stupid Harla. She's twenty seven years old. She's gonna have a hard, this 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 here. This gonna hit her hard. Oh my goodness gracious! Um, all right, you know someone. I think Vivian said it. Well, she could only been the one who said it. Out in Florida, I'm not surprised. These 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 uh Southern states, they are off the chain. And you all heard Vivian reiterate what the you know they're trying to implement or they have implemented, you know, this new Black History. Um, you know, uh, lesson plan, and uh, what do you think about this, Elder Nticha? You know, now they going all in. It says, Teach them everything. What you do, how they learn, what they didn't do, how they didn't learn. Ooh, baby.
2: So, with, <clears throat> I think this is multi-layered. I, I, I've been actually having this conversation with uh, a couple of people because there's been a number
1: of attacks on our history um, and our ability to move forward. And I'm nervous that we are not actually talking about this enough. We're not having the larger conversations around all of the things that's been happening. So, um, this is really just another area now where we want to water down slavery. Um, in addition to wanting to change the, um, the, cult, the the language in this curriculum to state um, that, you know, they were able to, that slaves, uh, people who were enslaved, because slaves is not their identity, they were people who were enslaved, that these people who were enslaved um, had skill sets that, you know, carried them forward is to still try to teach this in a manner to say that slavery was not that bad, that in spite of what they experienced as part of slavery, they were able to come out of it with something good. That is a conversation for African-Americans, and it talks about our resilience as a result of what this country put us through when you're talking about what this country has put us through and what this country has done to us, then it ought to be that conversation. And if you're going to teach it, you do not um, cause the two to try to collide into each other. They are two separate conversations. I do not disagree with our resilience. I do not disagree with yes. We took the things that we were forced to learn, the, the places we were forced to endure, the free labor you got from us, and we, after the fact, we finally got our freedom and our liberty, yes, we were resilient people and we utilized those skills to further ourselves and to become better and to build for our legacy. But they are two separate conversations not to be collided into one because when you do that, then you are watering down what slavery was. But in addition to that when you go further and, and, and understand what they're really trying to do in Florida, they also, uh, is, um, <clears throat> they're comparing it to something that's called uh, selfdom, or something to that nature. And what it was, was it was laborers who were, um, they had to work on a land for their, as they call it, their lord, that was a part of like the Russian regime. <laughs> And they would have to work the ground. But they had freedom. They were not punished as harshly. Um, it was still free labor because they had to work the ground. <clears throat> but how dare you try to compare, to make a comparison so that when you do this study as part of the curriculum, it is slavery right next to this self wow. <clears throat> And so when you're doing that, again, it is to water down. It is to make more palpable what slavery was. There is nothing palpable about slavery, the harshness, the punishment, the the destruction of the black families and black people, nothing palpable about it. It was horrible. It was brutal. It was bloody. It was murder. Nothing. And it does not compare. So there's a lot for us to be outraged with here. Wow, wow, wow. Mm Wow. Lady Tamika this curriculum is completely senseless. Um, if you want to understand the mentality of um, of us, that's one thing. If you want to um, try to discover why there's so much uh possible anger or animosity, That's a, that, that, again, is one thing. You know, th- this whole thing makes it uh, – what, what I feel is that you don't want to admit um, the things that have been done in the past. It's, it's one of those sweeping it under the rug. The truth, the real truth of what has happened, you sweep it under the rug, and then after that you say look at look at them look how they act this is you know the, the, you're not showing the real reading you don't you only show the after effects you know and you make it seem as though a small sector of people is all of us you know, that's kind of like that mentality of the, the angry black person, whether the person is male or female, not understanding what we have already gone through, what we have arrived at, what we have achieved, what we have accomplished, what we have had to deal without, what we have had to endure, how we have still through the fact of not getting this and not getting that, had the fortitude and the drive to be um, with ingenuity, create things. We were inventors. You know, we taught our children, you know, how to act, you know, in in public. You know, the, the mentality of us is entirely different, you know, and helping to understand why we do what we do now. That's not what you're doing. Basically, you're saying, oh, it wasn't that bad. You know, situations, are, you know, you're looking at it wrong. So let us give you the person per- should be right. And that's the problem. You know, you, instead of you really getting to the heart of what happened in the past and helping individuals understand, you know, it, individuals who don't have access to Amer- African Americans like, you know, like, like they should. Um, understand what the mentality is, what the frustration is, what is, you know, why we act the way we act. None of that is being happened. You know, none of that is happening. There's no. Um, I think you know, in, in grades like that, sensitivity training should should transpire, and not just on the African American part. You know, just on every. You know, there's a lot of lot of ways that we don't get in contact with each other, especially in our youth. Uh, we may not get exposed until a little later, you know, but the, the, the training that you're given now is just senseless. It just, it honestly doesn't make any sense. You know, it, it's kind of making it seem like, oh, well, you know, we're just going to sweep our, our, our filthiness, you know, and underneath the rug and then make it seem like, okay, all black people are bad, you know, because that's the way that I'm looking. Mm. <clears throat> Shanti, you know, you you have a lot of dealing with the middle school um, students. Now, imagine the curriculum um, shifting to how black people act and uh, why they, you know, how they perpetrate, you know, a crime and how acts of violence against them, you know, affect them and how they affect the community. All of this now intentionally being taught in the class. Well, what's mm-hmm. your thoughts? My mind goes to them being petty. The Pals That Be said, we're tired of hearing y'all don't teach black history, y'all don't teach black history, and they said, well, now let's teach black history, and this is the way they want to teach black history. I'm not understanding how and why this makes sense, how and why this is a plan to now try to brainwash and gaslight and try to convince young black people that not only was there a benefit and see, if you don't pay attention, you miss the ultimate message. They're not only trying to say that there was a benefit to being enslaved then; they're also trying to say there's a benefit to being enslaved now. And if you understand mm-hmm. why there was a benefit, in when back at Harriet Tubman days and whoever else did, there was a benefit in being enslaved. Now you see the benefit in still having that enslaved mentality now. So just like what the enemy is doing, they're trying to teach this and brainwash and gaslight the young people because they're a lot more impressionable, because their brains are so fresh, and there's not as much combativeness, so they think, because these kids, <laughs> if you really shouldn't talk to them, they'll give you one for your money, but to them, there's not gonna be as much combativeness and it's easy easier for me to push this message to them versus if I was to go to a college and try to speak this and possibly get jumped. But it's it's really it's really disgusting that you can – and then my question is, who's teaching this? Do you have a white teacher standing in front of me telling me the uh, benefits of slavery? Because if you have a voter standing in front of me saying this, uh, this surpasses the initial problem. Now we got 80 other problems, okay? And And the way these schools are moving now where there's no support or protection for teachers, I highly doubt a black teacher is jumping at the opportunity of teaching the benefits. So now I'm teaching the kids that I'm into and they should be enslaved, too. So you're getting a white teacher to stand in front of you to tell me the benefits of you being my master. You don't know uh. So it's everything to do with them being petty and them still trying to push this enslaved mentality for today. Mm. Wow, you ladies are... They're telling me here, you know, when you think of someone having to teach this, that that is a big question. Who's going to be teaching this? Not only that, here's another thing that came up in my mind. All right, so now you, let's, let's flip this script. Shanti said, the, you know, the, the, the person on the other side of the fence, is teaching this. Now, I'm going to bring it to the other side. We are teaching this. Now, are you going to be mad as to how we teach this? <laughs> because, see, now you're going to if – if, if, I'm, if I'm strategic, I'm going to say, oh, you're making me teach this? Well, let me tell you what I think. So now are you going to say, here's what you teach, and here's the only way you can say this. Here's your only presentation, because if you get somebody – who is already militant minded or you know um already upset at this issue now their presentation could be a lot more toxic than you think because if mm-hmm. I, I as I'm listening to you baby I've got a couple thoughts in my head Oh, you want me to say this let me tell you how uh, this came about and this is how this can result and blah 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 this is, this this may not turn out to be what you want it to be. Because if you put it in the wrong hands, quote unquote, which would be the right hands, you may get a spin on this that you may not be able to control. Because what you don't want is to get these young people pumped. And if you put them in the right hands, oh, the presentation is going to be a whole lot more different. And now you're not going to be able. To handle the outcome. So be careful what you ask for. Because, you know, I kind of think of it on the way Tarkis is thinking about, oh, y'all want us to teach. Everybody complaining we don't teach black history. Let's teach black history. Let's put our spin on it. Well, be prepared. Be prepared. Because there could be somebody else just as toxic on the other side because this is a toxic way of teaching or a toxic cu- of curriculum now put that into a toxic person's hands now you may be you really got to run for your money now so what you going to do now you're going to tell the, the 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 person on the other side of the fence it's okay but the person on our side of the fence that it's not okay so you you, you got to be real be real strategic and think again did I not just say we don't think about the consequences here we go. We don't think about the consequences. We don't think how this may not turn out to be <laughs> what we want it to be like. you know i'm 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 thinking about you know some of the stuff here that uh you know vivian. Um, is bringing to us. And, and, you know, we talk about the schools and our children and, and all of these things here. Let me ask you, ladies, this. What would be the one thing, if you are the superintendent of the school, what would be the one thing you have seen um, or you have not seen, that you feel that it's just been a negligence um, missing, I think this needs to be added. What's the one thing you would make sure our students learn, Lady Tamika? Real true discipline, and I'm not saying that, You know, we got to go back to the day where, you know, people get hit with rulers and, you know, their ears were being pulled and that type of thing. But a lot of times these youth don't recognize the repercussions, that there are repercussions because the school can't really discipline them, you know. And, you know, like something as simple as taking a phone. You can't do that, you know. And I get it. I understand the day and age that we live in. However, you know, when you do something, you have to be able to know that that was wrong and how do I do that, and that's the discipline. Um, the curriculum I'm talking about, That's a, do you, are you saying that that should be a part of the curriculum? Correct, I do. Oh, okay, okay. I just want to make sure I'm on the same page as you are. Okay, okay. All righty. Chantees, if there's one thing you have used you, you see, you know we, now we're teaching them about you know both sides of the fence, you know with with uh, black people and and how they have hurt and you know what they can benefit how they've benefited. Whatever you have seen that is missing, what's the one thing you would add to the school curriculum? I would add bullying. As far as courses, um, lessons on anti-bullying, and not just for the students, but even how I find it very interesting how you can't, in the school, you as a school, you can't take the child's phone, but you can introduce homosexuality to them. I find that very interesting. You can't take their phones from them but you can implement all of these things that you would technically you're supposed to get clearance from the parents to talk to your children about regardless of whatever it is but if it's something that the parents should give the green light for but the school has now taken their own liberty as to introduce this to the children but yet I can't discipline you. I find that very interesting. So the school school board itself has their own form of bullying. And if there's anti-bullying added into the curriculum, meaning courses as to what bullying ultimately is, the different forms of bullying, just like abuse, the different forms of bullying, how you are bullied and you turn into bullying, all of that, I think the schools would be a much safer, happier place to coexist and to even think about. And it would help all parties, students, the parents, as well as the faculty if something like that was added to the curriculum. All righty, righty. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Elza Tisha, what's missing that you would really love to see implemented into the school curriculum?
2: I would love to see some biblical uh,
1: studies as part of the curriculum. I think if we are um, open to being inclusive,
2: we want to have diversity and equity, then I think what is equitable is to be able to also
1: include biblical studies. Um, as part kind of the curriculum. All right. Wow. Okay. Well, with the three of you, school would definitely be a different place. <laughs> 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 do Those things are real controversial. Those three things would really flip the school upside down. You talk about bullying, you talk about discipline, you talk about biblical studies, all school would be an entirely different world as as the show was, a different world. Uh, Ladies, as always, it's been a phenomenal morning, thought-provoking, and we thank you so much for your contribution into today's conversation, and we pray you have a blessed day. Thank, thank you. Man. you as well. well. Have a blessed day. Thank you. Thank you, you too. All righty. All right. We are at the top of the hour already. Oh, my goodness. And uh, it's time to hear from Ah, Pastor Charlotte. Let's say good morning to Pastor Charlotte. Good morning, Pastor Charlotte. Good morning, good morning. How are you today? I am well, thank you. I'm well, thank you. How are you? I am doing okay today, thank the Lord. All righty, all righty. Well, yes, thank the Lord. You know, we're talking about, you know, I ended up with if... School, you know, in in your eyes, if you had your way, you know, you don't, you haven't seen this done, you haven't heard or they used to have it and they don't have it anymore. What would you um, implement into the school curriculum? I would do working together of showing. I wouldn't know what the title would be of the class, but to have more love working together and sharing. Because a lot of times I feel that within the schools, the problem is is because uh, the rules don't go across the board. So because I like you, so you get this and because I don't like you, you don't get that. Or I don't pay attention. And if we was able to sit and have where people are able to give their own life stories like with within the church, of course, you know we do as um um oh god. Testimonies. But more or less of if I know your background and being able to share, you know, like you make people – I used to make my children, for example. I used to make my children, when they will fight with each other, I would make them do something together. So you had no choice but to speak to each other. You had no choice but to do this together. And with that, after they finished doing it, then they became friends again, you know, because kids would be like, I'm not your friend, you know, and all of that. So I think that within <laughs> the school, because it's so distant, and because of the fighting all the time and the killing all the time, if we just get to the place of caring for one another again, I think that that will bring back because remember back in the day, you know that's all we did. we worked together we we went away together, and we didn't know that we were related, you know because we was raised, it took the whole village you know when it was ever something going on, everybody came out, everybody supported, everybody brought a dish, and we don't do that, and our children don't know that. I think that is one of the things of, you know, not being able to show the love for each other. All we do is fight and hate against each other. And I think that if they come with something with that, that's why I said love and sharing and working together. Because that will be something that I think that be creative back to our time, you know, because all of that's going on now, it didn't happen then. You didn't do that. We made you go back and apologize. We made our children, you know, come together. And I think that that's one of the things that, as well as what has been said, will work together. All right, all right, all right. Okay, interesting. Again, another um, implementation into the curriculum that would really turn the whole table because that, like you said, that's not being done for mo- multiple reasons now. Uh, Pastor Charlene, you are a part of the roster of uh, women of God that's going to be speaking in. Three days, God Spare Our Life, at the Breaking New York Women's Conference. You know, what's your thought? What are you looking forward to? You know, we've been talking about this almost four months now. And now we're in the mouth of, you know, the day. Well, one, I am so excited <laughs> about it. Um, I, I know that it's going to be very interesting. Um, It's going to be some deliverance. It's going to be and I'm speaking for myself as well Um, I'm coming expecting for a change um, of hearing other people of
2: participating
1: and I think that overall that I don't want to use the word sisterhood because everybody uses that word sisterhood but going back to just like what I just said the love the sharing working together meeting new people meeting your new sisters that you have it um i'm looking at it as far as a family reunion of people that you didn't even know because we all coming together you know because we all serving the same god and with that it's going to be so exciting of just being in the place even if you're not speaking or even if you know you not even somebody just invited you girl come on with me to this place. I bought you, you know, a ticket and we're gonna go in and just share this moment together. But then in that mix you meet other people. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited to meet um the new people that's going to be there that I don't know and just to be uh just receiving what God has for me on that day. All right, all right, You know, you've been privy to some of the topics which will be quite controversial, and some a lot of these topics that God has given us, the church does not discuss. What's your thought on that? I think that now it's time to this is like an opening. For us to step up and have a voice um, to be able to make some changes and I think that as when people come and they and we meet that day being introduced to new things and now we're able to take those tools that we will learn that we will hear that we will experience and take them back one of the things that I'm hoping and prayerfully that we take it and being able to go back and share for those that weren't there and to be able to give us a, a boost with that when we go back to our ministries, we're able to form um, another ministry with that we're able to help our sisters along the way. Um, my, my biggest thing is the voice, you know, because as you say, a lot of people, in ministries won't be able to experience um, the voice. They haven't been able to experience the voice, but now you'll be able to know that even though I'm able to call somebody who was there, I'm able to, because people are going to have an opportunity exchange numbers as well. And where that, you have somebody that has your back to be able to, um, help you along the way and being able to rebirth new ministries to help those who are coming in that are broken and where that we're able to have the tools to guide and lead them as, as we follow Christ, of course, let me not leave that out (laughs) because we don't do anything on our own. (laughs) Right. So I don't want nobody to think that we do it on our own. You must be led by God in it so i think that that's one of the biggest things that hopefully that everybody prayerfully is wants uh wants that you know coming seeking coming to be broken and allowing god to rebuild us and to give us the tools um of how to do it because our way don't work but his ways always work and if we come together and being able to share um the experience with others who have not been there, then we'll be able to be a little better. And just like within the school of what I said earlier, same thing, love sharing and working together. (laughs) Okay. Okay. In line with your normal faith over fear thought, you know, we don't talk about a lot of things in church. And what do you think is a fear? of talking about things like sex. You know, I, I, it amazes me, Pastor Charlotte, you know, when when some of these older women um, in church, they frown. Oh, they cringe. And were some of the biggest sexes, and I'm going to be mild there, you know, <laughs> they got like a ton of kids. You know, I'm serious. You know, when you, when you hear like their background, you're like, and your face is all twisted. I remember going to a baby shower. I'm not a baby shower. A bridal shower. And, you know, there were a lot of older, you know, women there, whatever. And, you know, um, it was a church. It was a church, kind of church environment. And the, the bride-to-be went to take, you know, she ripped up everything. And when she opened up certain things, appliances and all kinds of things, you know, there was this big joy. And she ripped it out and showed it to everybody. So she opened up this one box, and she it was like her whole face just shifted. And it was like, we were like, well, what is it? Because nobody could well, this is a bomb. What is it? And she, you know, just very shyly showed it, and the the room was split yeah the room where the women were like, Oh you know, they the grumbling and mumbling. <laughs> and then you had the other stack who was like, Well, yeah, nice, that's beautiful, blah blah blah, and so it, you know more and more they became more you know boisterous, you know with the the you know smithering uh snarlings. And I said, well, I got a question. Now, you know, whenever I start that, Pastor Charlotte, it ain't going to be a good <laughs> yes. It's going to be a challenge. <laughs> I got a question. This woman here is getting married. Ooh, this is not for her man. You know, we're not just giving her gifts. This is for her wedding. This is getting married. What is the problem? Is she, she not, does she wear a coat of armor to bed? You know, and they were like, "Oh, you know, too revealing." And you know, well, what are supposed to wear? A, a coat of armor? Are you not supposed? Is this not normal? What is the fear, Pastor Charlene, and has leaked into the church? And it's like we don't talk about it, so our young ladies are walking into this kind of like blind and ashamed, and you're getting married. Sex and things like that are normal. What is the big deal when it comes to this sex thing in the church and openly teaching the proper way of making sure it happens? No premarital sex and blah, blah, blah. What do you think is the fear of how they were taught? Um, one of the things that, because that was like a... We don't talk, discuss that, that, you know, you keep it to yourself. Um, And when people are raised that way,
2: you are still talking about the
1: older ladies, Uh, by them being raised that way, they not as freely of being able to talk about it. Um, I did have a conversation one time with uh, elderly lady, and I felt that if I'm, if I am doing something, you know, because back in the day, once again, I didn't grow up in church. So they always said back in the day, you know, the mothers will come and baby, you know, you're about your clothing and, you know, you did too much of this, but if you don't take the time out and tell us how to, to be that young lady, how to be able to take care of our husbands, um, and I think that somewhere along that line has been missed. You know, um, I learned, my even with my own mother, you know, when I was getting married, you know, she, she didn't really go too far. Um, she didn't, as we say, talk about the birds and the bees. Um, my mom didn't do that. Um, and I asked her why as well, you know, um, because you have to learn that on your own. And I always felt that even within the church, that I think that frisky, I think that's the word that they still use, um, women that <laughs> wouldn't be so much if you had sat with them and discussed, you know, of how to be. So a lot of the women, young women, I'm throwing myself in the young, on that young side for a minute. So we didn't know how to um, express that and how to do these things. So in the church, it was like a no-no, you know, as if you was cussing, oh, no, no, we don't do that. But I think that it hurts more because if we get to the place, and going back to the older woman I was saying, I give y'all an opportunity to tell your life story because if you tell your life story, we can learn from it because if I tell you, even if you choose to make your own mistakes, that'll be on you. But I gave you the tools. And that's something that we don't do. We don't do it with our own children. You know, I do it Well, I do it with my kids. Because, you know, I'm just out there with mine. But there's some, some mothers won't express of all that they have been through with their daughters. And that takes on a lot. How to do this. That's why a lot of them can't cook. More or less, you know, it's it's like, Everybody has sex, but they don't know about being intimate. They don't know about uh, being, um, letting him you know, chase you because we have not taught them how to let him come to you. Let him be able to um, chase behind you and warning you. You're so busy jumping on him, and that's what a lot of the younger women do. But now the old ladies is doing it because now they so backed up. That's a good word. Is that good? That's good. Okay. <laughs> right, now they, you know, they jumping out oh, here. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm trying to keep it we said nice. It and clean. <laughs> well, no, we uh? said it at the same time. Well, no, we said at the same time. I thought we said it at the same time. Well, <laughs> so okay. you ain't alone. <laughs> But I think that that's why within well, the church that they don't um they don't do it, and then it's like everybody's gonna look at each other cockeyed, you know instead mm-hmm. of embracing it and I think that that's one of the things that we need, and it goes back to being able to be real with the women, be real with what you experience, be real with what has happened and being able to help someone because that's what it's all about to help someone along the way loving sharing and working together Um, that's a good sermon somebody get that (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much pastor charlie you have shed a whole lot of light on you know on this issue and we still surely appreciate um you know your your input today and we look forward to sharing that Face with you, God spills our life on Sabbath, Saturday, um, July 29th. Thank you so much, and we pray you have a blessed day. And thank you so much, and I can't wait for Jeff and myself. God bless everyone. See you All there. Right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. Y'all, let's get that benediction before I get to chatting. Uh, peace be to the brothers and love with faith. From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible, and that's Ephesians six twenty three and twenty four. You know, again, um, you know, as Pastor Charlene said, you know, the, people don't like to talk, and I just always found it interesting that, you know, not only did you frown and cringe but like I said in in your own you know backyard you have a bunch of kids and all kinds of things your your life was twisted and we all go through a part of our life that's twisted whether it's sexually or um some type of sin whether it's thievery or you know it, it, there's a whole lot of stuff that we go through as people and you know it's it's something that we need to pay attention to, you know, and and God has really, again, birthed this, um, this, um, what do you call this, this this conference um, through me, because I'm not afraid to be controversial by far. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not. You know, when, you know, he gave me um, the task of, talking to the ladies and asking them, you know, what do you feel when, you know, that's not taught or heard in the church? And that was, you know, a lot of controversy, a lot of controversy came up and, you know, that, that stuff is going to hit the floor. And the one thing I love about these women of God is they're not ashamed or afraid. Ah, And I love that. You know, you hear it right here on on the Zuton. You know, you don't hear a lot of, you know, um, stuff that people hold. You know, they're pretty transparent. And there's a lot of aggressiveness um, that you have to walk in. A lot of confidence, you know, that you have to walk in. You know, I actually had someone who dropped because she was kind of afraid of embracing You know, some things that have happened to her and, you know, we pray for her deliverance because we don't know how many other people that are going to be sitting in that room who are going, who are already feeling that, who are already thinking that I can't talk about it to the church people. And that's, that's terrible. That's a terrible place to be where you can't talk about this stuff in church. And you can't be open in church because that's where the deliverance is supposed to come from. We're supposed to hear, um, you know, these things that you, you know, that, that you've been through and understand that God is using your experience to be a blessing. A lot of times, you know, God allows you to go through this stuff so that your testimony can be a blessing and helps to deliver someone else and to think that we can't openly speak because we got those people who are going to be, you know, uh, sneering and, and, and growling and, 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 you know, angry or whatever or, or make you feel embarrassed for what you've been through. And, you know, the one thing, you know, Pastor K.L. has coined in my former life, you know, that. Maybe one year it'll be that topic in my former life because we don't speak about it. And because we don't speak about it, it keeps women like the one I just got finished referring to, it keeps women and men in a shell. And imagine, you know, my prayer is that she does come out because when you look at 17 women who are not going to be afraid to speak about the things that they've experienced, the things that they know what God can deliver you from, I'm praying that her deliverance begins. Because there's nothing better than to look at somebody and go, oh, God, it ain't just me. It is such a relieving feeling. And unless the church begins to operate like this, then a whole lot of our young people are going to remain in the closet A whole lot of our uh, our church people, um, the the, uh, believers, will begin to reach for the world and the way the world does things. And the world is going to give them answers because, see, the world is not afraid of being open and honest and talking. And that's exactly why the LGBTQ um, um, community is so large. Because whether it's right or whether it's wrong, they're not afraid. But when it comes to God's people... They shaming one another. And long gone those days, listen, that God has delivered you, or has he helped someone else to become delivered. Okay? All righty. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit as you go through your day. Be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my due time crew, my ladies, for always coming through big time. Thank you for hanging out with us. Please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now. Please do not miss this opportunity to... Just let God strengthen that relationship. Position yourself to get that relationship strengthened right now because later is not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow, God Spears, Where is Therapeutic Thursday, oh, I love you.